Good morning. It is good to see you this morning. Good to be here. If you don't know me, uh, my name is Chris, as was announced, and uh, I'm honored to be able to share with you this morning. Uh, yeah, I got a text this morning early from Dustin, Pastor Dustin, saying, pray for me. My kids are sick. They've been sick all night. And uh, I said, okay, I'll be praying. Let me know how I can help. And then my mind started to started to go. Um, I said, I'm happy to come over and sit with your kids. <laughs> and uh, then about a few minutes later, I don't know, 15 minutes later, he said, oh no, now I'm sick too. And uh, so uh, then uh, uh, I knew I was going to work this morning. And so uh, here's what happens when a pastor gets a call early on Sunday morning. Uh, first they panic, a little panic. Initially, like, okay, what am I going to say? Then pray uh, and uh, ask the Lord, God, what do you want to say? Then prepare and then present. And uh, hopefully it, it goes okay. There's been things percolating in my heart. You know, I could just go to the well and uh, pull one out of the file. I could have done that. Um, there are those, you know, and sometimes that's the right thing to do. But there's been some things percolating in my heart and in my mind uh, over the last weeks, um, and so I thought, ah, I'm just going to process the percolation and present it that way. So um, you're getting that this morning. We'll see how this goes. Uh, I asked the Lord, okay, God, what's the scripture? And there's a passage of scripture we're going to use this morning that I have certainly preached on before, um, but there, as I read it this morning, there was something in that passage that came out that I don't know that I'd ever seen before. And uh, so I, uh, I'm excited to be able to share this with you this morning. Um, what a weekend we had. Beautiful yesterday. It was so fun to, uh, to see all my neighbors come out of hibernation yesterday. Uh, we were all out in the front, um, sitting out on our, on our driveways, hanging out. I got to throw the football with my neighbor, Ash, and hanging out with uh, the neighbor kids and having water gun fights in the front yard and, uh, and then had a good conversation with another one of my neighbors just about trying to find her, her trying to find her place in the church and her experiences with the church, and that was great. And then I found out that one of my, my next-door neighbor, they're having a baby, so I was excited because I get to be a grand-neighbor now. And uh, so, um, great, great day yesterday. Um, and I, I thought about that, actually, as I was driving here this morning, because, because the, the title of the message I'm bringing today is just love the people in front of you. Just love the people in front of you. Um, I think that's what God wants us to hear today. We just need to love the people that are in front of us. We're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 16, starting at verse 25. And we're going to read through uh, 36, and I want to read that passage this morning. And, uh, and then we will jump in uh, to the message. Acts 16, starting at verse 25. I think Donald, the great Donald, the great Donald of the back, um, that'll, be your, that'll be your name, the great Donald of the back. Um, he has it on the screen here for us. Uh, and um, Pastor Dustin, if you're watching, I hope you're feeling better. And I actually hope you're not watching. I hope you're sleeping. So, uh, so um, let's stand together. I'm going to do something that maybe we don't normally do. I'm going to have you stand. Uh, I want us to read this together. We're going to read this whole passage, these 12 verses together. Um, out loud, let's read it together. Here we go. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, 
there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. They immediately, he and his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, Release those men. The jailer told Paul, The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. Lord, your word that speaks by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we need to hear from you today. So Lord, I just ask that our hearts once again today would be open. Our minds be receptive. Our will be moldable. Our motivations be aligned with your heart. And Lord, that you would set me aside. We would fix our eyes on Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago by a woman named Kate Bowler. And uh, she had a guest on another woman by the name of Liz Gilbert of Eat, Pray, Love fame. And uh, she was having this conversation with her. It was a fascinating conversation. And they were talking about um, just the, the, the anxiety of, uh, that, that our, our Western world presents for trying to find our purpose. And um, she, she, she said, you know, we have this sort of pattern in our country uh, that we present, and you hear it at commencement speeches, and you hear it, um, you know, you read it in books and in self-help books, and, and it goes like this. She, she said it starts like this. You have been put on this earth with a unique gift that is yours and yours alone. And it is your unique and special contribution to the world. That you are a unique individual with a unique gift that needs to be discovered because it is only you who can bring that unique contribution and gift to the world. And then she said, and then we're told we have to cultivate and we have to master that gift and we have to become as good and as effective as possible in being able to exercise our unique contribution only we can bring to the world into our sphere of influence. And then she said, then you not only have to understand what your unique gift is and you have to master and cultivate that gift, but then you have to bring other people along and, and help them 
come up to, to, to their own effectiveness and bring them along with you so you can multiply that gift to other people so that your unique gift that only you have in the world that is your unique contribution to history can be exercised in the world and you have to lift up others. And not only do you need to know your gift and master your gift, cultivate that gift and bring others up to that gift, then you have to monetize that gift. <laughs> because when you monetize that gift... If you don't monetize it, then you're not going to be successful, and then it's just a hobby, and then you won't be as successful as possible. So then you monetize that gift, so then you can live off of that gift, and then once you monetize that gift, the next thing you have to do is you have to leave a legacy, because if you don't leave a legacy, then you're going to die, and your unique contribution will just die with you. And this legacy is not just for the next generation, but it's for generations to come. So you have to discover your gift. You have to cultivate your gift. You have to master your gift. You have to bring others along with your gift. You have to monetize your gift. You have to create a legacy. And we tell this to college students, no pressure. <laughs> right? No pressure. And you know what's fascinating about that is um, anybody who's around 40-ish, maybe even younger than that, 40-ish or so, or older, and you've lived some life, and you, you think back to the, the, the plan that you had, that here's how things are going to go. It's gonna, you're going to do this, then you're going to do this, and it's going to look like this, and this is how it's all going to play out. Anybody who's around 40 or so, you realize it, none of it really went that way. <laughs> right? It, it didn't really go the way you thought it was going to go. Things went all kinds of sideways. It doesn't mean it's necessarily bad, but it just goes differently than you imagine it would go. It doesn't also mean that you shouldn't have a plan, that you shouldn't have a vision, that you shouldn't be idealistic. I want young people to be idealistic. I want them to have vision. I want all of us to have vision and plan and understand purpose, but we have to realize things don't always go the way we think they're going to go. Isn't that the truth? She then... She then uh, she then told this funny little, she said, she said, I was on, I had an hour to kill. I was in Los Angeles before I had a speaking engagement. So she had, I had an hour to kill. It was a nice day. I was outside. And she said, I looked across the street and there was a, there was a gentleman on a tall ladder and he was working on a sign. The ladder seemed kind of rickety. So she said, I had an hour to kill. So I walked across the street and I just held that guy's ladder. She said, my, it reminded me of my dad who would stand on rickety ladders. So I thought, what else am I going to do in this hour? She walked across the street. She stood there and just held this guy's ladder for 45 minutes. And then when that 45 minutes was over, she said, I don't even know if he ever knew I was standing there holding his ladder. She said, when the 45 minutes was over, I peeled off and I went to my appointment. She said, I had this thought, what if my grand purpose, what if the whole reason I was, <laughs> I was put on this earth was for that 45 minutes to hold that guy's ladder. He didn't even know I was there. What if that was the entire purpose? Like, like the Lord said, okay, sector 172, you know, section 53, uh, at this particular time, in this particular space, I want this person to fulfill this purpose. And she said, what if that was my entire purpose for life, and now I just kind of go about the rest of my life, and I've already fulfilled my grand purpose. Now, I, I don't believe there's just one grand purpose. I believe actually our whole life is a gift. I believe our whole life is a gift. But the question was an interesting question. If, you'd already, if you knew you'd already fulfilled your grand purpose, how would you go about living your life? And I was having this conversation with my kids. And I told them about this story. And, and uh, as I told them about the story, my daughter at the end, of, as I was telling them, my daughter said, Dad, how would you answer that question? 
If you'd already fulfilled your grand purpose, how, uh, you know, and now you just have your life to live, how would you answer that question? What would you do? I said, honey, if there's anything I've learned over these last few years, it is this. We've got to take life as it comes, trust the Lord, and love the people in front of us. Take life as it comes, trust the Lord, and love the people in front of you. I think about the life of Paul. Fascinating. Uh, Paul was, uh, had quite a resume. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, Pharisee among Pharisees, well-taught, uh, well-educated, um, on a pathway of leadership um, in, in that particular realm of his life at the time. And then he has this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He has this life-changing, life-transforming encounter with Jesus. And, and in that moment, it went from Paul leading his own life and making his, going his own way to Paul becoming a follower of Jesus. Now Paul wasn't making the decisions for here's what he's going to do. It was now Jesus was going to make the decisions and Paul was going to follow Jesus into wherever Jesus would take him. Now Paul was actually fulfilling the purpose for which he was created. If, you, if, you, if you've discovered Jesus, if you've found life in Christ, you realize that, that, that our, our, our life is around partnering, or is built around partnering with God and following Him, and our purpose is found in the presence of Jesus, in being with Him and in following Him and, and, and uh, learning to understand, hear His voice and follow Him wherever He asks us to go. And Paul was learning that and he was doing that. And what's interesting is as you read the life of Paul and as you follow the journey of Paul, things don't always go very easy for him. Like one thing after another, he, he gets arrested and he finds himself in jail multiple times. He gets bitten by a snake. He gets shipwrecked. All kinds of things go crazy. In fact, he was, he was going on a missionary journey. He was on his way and he was going to go to preach the gospel. He was going there to share the message of Jesus with other people. He thought he was going to go into Asia. He was on his way into Asia and he gets to, to the, the border of Mysia and Bithynia where he was going to keep going east, and it says the Holy Spirit prevented him from going there. Now, this wasn't because Paul was doing something wrong. It wasn't because Paul was doing, you know, something in error. It's just that God had a different idea for where he was going to go. And so, so then he has this vision of a man in Macedonia begging him to come back to Macedonia. So, Paul goes the other direction. He, he follows this, what's called the Macedonian call, he winds up in Philippi. He doesn't actually see a man. He sees a woman named Lydia. And, uh, and that, that whole journey, that whole uh, uh, episode where Paul is stopped by the Holy Spirit from moving east, and now he comes the other direction, goes to Philippi. It's really why we're here today. It, it, it was responsible for the expansion of the gospel in other places. And so Paul is, is preaching the gospel, doing what? Following Jesus, listening to his voice. And he's on the way to a, 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 the place of prayer, the Bible says in Acts. It says he's on the way to the place of prayer. And on the way to the place of prayer, he encounters a girl who is a slave. And her owners, she, she was a fortune teller, and she would tell these fortunes, and, and she would make money by telling these fortunes to people. And her owners actually were the ones who were earning all the money. Well, Paul, she, she encounters Paul, 
And Paul recognizes after a little time that this woman, this girl, this slave girl is demon-possessed. And he casts the demon out of this girl, sets her free, and everything is good, right? I mean, things are going well. This girl now is set free from the demon, but it makes her, her, the slave girl's owners are mad because now they've lost a source of income. So because they're angry, they um, make up these accusations against Paul. Uh, Paul is then, Paul and Silas are then beaten, they're flogged with whips, um, they're thrown in jail, and they're put in stocks in the inner prison. So this is all Paul just trying to do the right thing, right? He's trying to, trying to follow Jesus in the direction that he is supposed to go. Sometimes things don't go the way we thought they would go. Sometimes, even when we're trying to do the right thing, we don't get the result that we hoped we would get. And the question is not, will I get the immediate outcome I want? The question really is, how can I best honor God in the midst of whatever situation I find myself in? How can I best honor God in this situation? That's the question we have to answer. In every situation... Our life says something about, if you're, a, if you're a Christ follower, in every situation, our life says something about the Jesus we follow. Your life spoke about Jesus on your way here today. As you were preparing to come to church, the conversations you had with your spouse or with your kids, um, the way you reacted, the way you responded, uh, you know, if you stopped and got caught, your life is saying something about, if you're a follower of Jesus, Our life says something about him in every circumstance. Paul and Silas, in this particular situation, they could have had a number of different responses. They could have, Paul could have said, oh, see, we were going east, but no, we had to go west, and this is the result we get. They could have been angry at God. God, I'm just trying to do the right thing. And, and this is, they, they could have just given up. They could have, they could have checked out and said, no, okay, if this is what this is going to be, I'm out. If these are the results I'm getting, I'm out. But what is their response? Acts 16, 25, we read it. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. That's an incredible response. They're in jail, in the stocks, having been beaten, their backs bloodied, and they're praying and singing hymns to God. I imagine them in the darkness of midnight, in those stocks, in that prison, All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. There they are in the prison cell. Because they understood that Jesus was not just a means to an easy life. Jesus was their life. It was Paul who said, to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It was Paul who said, um, the things that I once valued, I count as rubbish for the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul was, Paul's life was about following Jesus wherever that path took him, no matter what. Jesus was their life. And Paul and Silas's power and peace were found in the presence of Jesus. So they knew 
They knew that when they would pray and sing hymns to God, they would, it, would, it would remind them that Jesus is, has not abandoned us. He's with us no matter where we are. And their power and peace was found in His presence. So I would just simply ask you, what are you facing today? What hasn't gone the way you expected it might go? What hasn't gone the way you hoped it would go? And, and maybe the bigger question is, what's your response? Now, it isn't wrong to have questions. It isn't wrong to, have, to, to, to um, hurt in the midst of disappointment or grieve in the midst of loss or to struggle in the midst of trying to figure out why things are going the way they're going. We have times of hurt. We have times of difficulty. We have times of pain. All of us do. They don't go the things the way we thought it might go sometimes, so we wrestle through that. But in the midst of that, where has your trust been? How's your response? You see, the power of your love toward others will come when you recognize you're in the presence of Jesus. He's with you. He's with you. And when we realize He's with us, no matter what we're going through, we can still love the people in front of us. And here's why this is important in the Scripture. And this is the little, the little section that I don't... I, maybe I've seen it before, but I don't remember it. But in verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And then it says, And the prisoners were listening to them. Just this little line. And the prisoners... We're listening to them. Fascinating little line there. They're praying. They're beaten. They're in jail, inner stocks, unfairly, and they're praying and singing hymns, and the prisoners were listening. When you read on in this story, um, it, it goes on and says there's a there's a such a violent earthquake suddenly. <laughs> What a coincidence, it says, they were praying and singing hymns. Suddenly, there's a violent earthquake. That the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came, everybody's chains came loose. Everybody. It doesn't say just Paul and Silas's chains came loose. Everybody's chains came loose. So the doors are open. I mean, this is a big earthquake. The chains are all broken. Um, everybody's able to be free. And it goes on, says, the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. He knew this jailer because of the culture at the time. He knew that, uh, that not fulfilling his responsibility in this jail would cause him not only to be killed, but it would cause him to be killed in shame. So his response to that was, he's drawing his sword and he's going to take his own life because better to take his own life than to die in the shame of not fulfilling the responsibility. So he's got his sword drawn and he's going to take his own life because now all the prisoners can be free because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Paul shout, shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Nobody's left. They're, st they're still there in the jail. The jailer called for lights. I don't know what that means. When I read this in the Bible, now this is like the year, you know, whatever year this was, 50, 60, whatever AD, called for lights. He didn't just like flip on a light switch. The, the jailer called for lights, so, you know, lights. And so they're put, turning on their lanterns and stuff. It's kind of a funny picture to me there. Anyway, jailer called for lights. Um... 
and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, I've shared this maybe before, but I don't think Paul and Silas are asking here, how do I get eternal life? I mean, I don't think the jailer is asking, how do I get eternal life? What the jailer is asking here is, how do I keep from dying? Because these, these prisoners are, are free. I didn't do my job. I'm going to kill myself or somebody's going to kill me. Maybe the prisoners will kill me. And if they don't kill me, my bosses are going to kill me. So what do I do to be saved here? We think, we kind of, we kind of couch this in very spiritual terms, but I think the jailer's just simply looking at how do I keep from dying? They replied, believe, and it's interesting, the response. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke to the, wor- the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought him into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. So get this picture. The, the, the prisoners are all free. Chains are all loose. The jailer is, is, is going to kill himself. Paul says, don't kill yourself. We're, we're, going to, we're here. We're still here. We haven't left. So the way to be saved is here, here's how you be saved. Believe in Jesus. Trust the Lord. And you and your family will be saved. Then the jailer, the next place we find Paul and Silas and the jailer is in the jailer's house. Now, a lot of uh, historians will tell us that the jailer's house was attached in some way to the jail, to the prison. But nevertheless, Paul and Silas are not in the prison anymore. They're in the jailer's house. Wash their wounds, have a meal, you know, talk about the gospel. The jailer's saved. They baptize everybody. This is a, quite a celebration after midnight. The next morning, look what happens. Verse... Uh, 35, when it was daylight, the magistrate sent the officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. What do you mean release those men? They were free, weren't they? Didn't the, didn't the jail break open and the prisoners' chains fall off and the doors all open? Couldn't they all have left? They didn't leave. Why didn't they leave? Because Paul wanted the jailer to be saved. We want to read this story as a formula. And sometimes we read Scripture like this formula, like if we pray and if we praise and if we worship, then the chains will fall off and we will be free and our circumstances will all get better. Now, there's certainly truth to that, but we have to understand what the definition of free is. What did it mean to be free? You see, what Paul and Silas understood is that no matter where they were, they were already free. They didn't have to get free. They were already free because they were followers of Christ. Wherever they were, their life, they were living in the freedom of following Christ. But they had to communicate in love to this jailer. How how does this jailer be saved? It's by loving Paul. It's by loving him. And, and, and finding a way for him to be protected from not dying in that moment, but also recognizing that there's a bigger picture for his life, and that is that he can know a relationship with Jesus Christ, the one for whom he was created. And so they stay in the jail. They could have walked out. They could have left. But if they'd left, the jailer would have been killed. They stay, they stay in the jail the next morning. Because Paul understood that his responsibility 
was to take life as it comes. Trust Jesus and love the people in front of you. Their mission was wherever they were. Their mission field was whoever was in front of them. They weren't trying to get out of there. Paul and Silas weren't trying to get out of that jail to get on with the real mission. The real mission was the people right in front of them. The real mission was the jailer who was responsible for holding them in prison. The real mission was the prisoners who were listening to them. It wasn't, I got to get out of here so I can get on with the real ministry thing. It was, who are the people right in front of me? Those are the people I need to love right now. That's the mission. You see, every moment is an opportunity to love the people in front of you. Every circumstance is an opportunity to love the people in front of you. Even in the struggle, when you're going through things and things aren't going the way that you thought they would go, if you will allow the presence of Jesus to be your strength, if you'll get in His presence and remember in prayer and in hymns and in praise that He is with you and you'll allow Him to be your strength, you can be a powerful testimony of His love by the way you respond in that circumstance. Your worship and praise today, your prayer and praise today before the doors have opened and before the chains have fallen prepares your heart to respond. You might be in a spot right now where the chains haven't fallen off yet and the doors haven't opened yet and the earthquake hasn't come yet to to set you free from the circumstances you find yourself in. But it's your prayer and praise before that happens that prepares you to respond when it happens. I'm going to call the worship team up. See, wherever you are, the prisoners are listening. Wherever you are, the prisoners are listening. See, there's people all around. We've been those people. Maybe we still are those people. People in bondage. People looking for freedom. People bound up by all kinds of stuff in our life. And they need to find freedom. People desperately in our world need to find those who have life in Jesus who live out a non-anxious presence of His peace, a non-anxious peace of His presence. We desperately need people like that. And um, wherever we are, the prisoners are listening. They want to hear and see what it is like to live like a free person no matter what your circumstance. What is it like to live like a free person no matter the circumstance? At work, when you're around those people that you work with, maybe some of the people that annoy you every day, (laughs) the prisoners are listening. At home and in your neighborhood, when you're around people that maybe share different ideas or different values or different political persuasions or see life through a different worldview than you, The prisoners are listening. People are listening. When things are going great in your life, they're listening. Who are you giving the credit to? When you're in your car, 
People are listening. Now that's Siri, but she'll tell other people what your response is. I know you've been talking about uh, this last month, uh, Pastor Dustin has been in a series called One Month to Live. What would you do if you had one month to live? I was thinking about that because a little over a year ago, um, I watched that being lived out by my wife. She had a month to live. What did she do in that last month? I can tell you this. She took life as it came. She trusted Jesus. And she loved the people in front of her. We don't we don't know at this where this life is going to take us and how the turns of this life will go. What we do know is we have to hold it a little loosely. And we have to take life as it comes. We have to trust Jesus. And we have to love the people in front of us. We're going to sing this chorus of the song we sang a little earlier, which, by the way, was my wife's favorite song. Um, but uh, I'm going to ask you to stand. A couple of just points of possible response I want you to think about and I want you to pray about as we sing the song. In what situation are you in? Do you need, uh, you need to, the strength to pray and to praise? Maybe you find yourself in your own circumstance that you didn't expect or you think it didn't go, the, it's not going the way you thought it would. Maybe you're in a difficult spot in your life right now. And maybe you found it difficult in the midst of that to just pray and praise. I just want to encourage you to remember that it's the presence of Jesus that will bring you the peace and the power that you need to respond appropriately in those circumstances. So in what, in what, in what area of your life, what situation do you need strength to pray and to praise? And, and secondly, love the people in front of you. So the question of that is who's in front of you? I don't mean the person sitting in the seat in front of you, although love them too. But who are the people that God has put in your life right now? Your neighbors maybe, people in your workplace. Um, maybe there's others. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's just your family. But maybe there's some that have been really difficult to love and you've been trying to figure out, okay, what's my mission? What's my purpose? I, and you're struggling with that. Maybe the purpose, maybe the point right now is just love those people who God has put right in front of you. You do that, I guarantee you, you're fulfilling the purpose for which God created you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for these who have come here, uh, my family, my church family. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us today that we would take life as it comes, that we would trust Jesus, and that we would love the people in front of us. Lord, for those going through difficult circumstances and they find themselves in a spot that they didn't expect to be in, and it's challenging and they're hurting, maybe grieving, maybe frustrated or disappointed, Lord, would you just be their, pres their, their peace right now? Lord, would you just envelop them with your presence and remind them that you are able and big enough to be able to carry them through that. Lord, would you help us, because of your presence in our life, to be able to respond in a way that testifies of the goodness of God. 
Lord, help us, show us who it is. Lord, bring, na- bring names to our mind right now of who it is you're calling us to love that's in front of us in our life. And give us creative, God-directed ways to love them well so they could, they could see the goodness of God in, in our life and for their life. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.